Good morning. This is Peter Cassoni, the sales gladiator, and welcome into the arena. It is Thursday, March 19th. Uh, we're doing this at 11.20 a.m. Central Standard Time, and it's our first podcast. And I figured since this is going to be an uplifting, motivating, uh, and inspiring podcast that um, I could touch on an array of topics, uh, most are going to focus on sales, uh, process of doing better sales, uplifting your sales team, uh, considering that sales is the lifeblood of all organizations. I'd like to inject as much enthusiasm uh, and education as I can into these sessions to make people that are coming up, uh, you know, fresh out of high school, straight out of college, with a desire to want to do anything within the uh, sales spectrum, that hopefully we can give them some knowledge and that they can pick up enough, um, you know, to start their journey off on the right track. I know that uh, for me, 20 years into the sales world myself, that uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, many people who did the same for me. And, uh, you know, the first person straight off the, uh, straight off the bat that I would credit with, uh, you know, a majority of my success and half the reason why I'm here today is, uh, my mentor, uh, his name was Steve. He was very instrumental in my education, uh, specifically because of the definitions that he gave. He always was able to give definitions that I could understand, um, Definitions that, unfortunately, I think a lot of uh, young folks might agree. You can be given the best advice in the world sometimes if you're not ready to receive it. Um, you don't really see the true value in it until later. But I'm, I'm fortunate enough at least to say that um, the way he simplified definitions for me um, really made all the difference. And on this episode of The Sales Gladiator, I wanted to focus on two of those uh, very specifically, uh, just because of what they mean to me, and I'm hoping again that they, um, you know, will reach you in a way that, um, you know, it reached me and that it inspires you in the same way it inspired me. So, the first thing that I was told a long time ago by my mentor Steve was that sales was the transfer of enthusiasm, meaning if if I'm excited about something, I'm going to get my prospect excited about it. If I'm jazzed up and excited, so will they be. And that starts with understanding who your prospect is. Are you what what geo are you calling into? What is the demographic? Are we talking to C level? Are we talking below C level executives? Um, who's the ideal prospect? Know that. You know, B, secondly. What company are you calling on behalf of? I mean, if you have an inside sales squad or you do anything in, in the world uh, of outbound lead or demand generation, you know that most times you're calling on behalf of a client who's hired you. And if you don't know 100%, 360 degree view of what that company does, the probability of success is low because you're not going to know everything you need to know about that company in order to be successful. If you get on the phone with a prospect of theirs and they throw you a curveball and you don't know how to answer it, you're frozen. I mean, you're, you're dead in the water. And it's unfortunate because 
not everybody pays a base, you know, salary or or offers any kind of incentive. Normally, you just offered a hundred percent commission to go out there and and just you know hopefully sell the heck out of the company. If you can do better than that, lesson number one should be very easy to pick up. You should do all the research on that company. You should look at their website. You should look at their brochures. You should look at their white papers. You should look at any marketing material that you have access to and study like your life depended on it. Because then when somebody throws you a curveball on a prospect call, you know, especially, a, you know, a, a.k.a. a cold call, um, I call it a prospect call to be kind. But on a cold call, when you're throwing a curveball, you know exactly how to swing at it. There's nothing that they can stump you on. There's nothing that you won't know, which automatically makes you an expert. And when you're an expert, no one can ever, ever do anything to you that you're not prepared for, which means the probability of increasing your sales goes through the roof. The second principle that was taught, you know, in addition to that was that if I'm not convinced, I can't be convincing, which sort of ties into, you know, the enthusiasm and making someone feel as excited as you are. But if I'm not convinced by the product, if I don't know everything about that product, I'm not truly by definition convinced. So I therefore can't go ahead and be convincing to others. It'll be obvious. It'll be blatant. It's something that prospects will see right away. You know, you have about what, five, 10 seconds to endear yourself to this person. So if you're not excited, if you're not enthusiastic, if you have zero energy, if it's your, you know, 20 or 30th no quotations, N-O in a row, if you start running out of gas, it's going to start to show. It's like having a flat tire. Everybody behind you driving knows you have the flat tire. You have the choice. You have the unique ability to pull over, change that tire, understand the science of the tire, understand the science of the car you're driving, and make sure that that never happens to you again. And if it does, you're prepared. And those two definitions made all the difference as I was coming up. It was, you know, A, again, the transfer of enthusiasm, making sure somebody was excited as, as I was, and B, being convincing because I've been convinced by the product to the service that I'm selling. If you're a young sales rep right now and you're hearing this, I hope that that puts, you know, rockets on your shoes and just sends you into the stratosphere because when you let information like that in and you let it really truly sink in, in a way you become unstoppable. There, yes, and this is another podcast for another day about no's and how that's a permission to move on to yes. But if you really, truly let this information sink in, it's not that you're invincible. You are unstoppable because you're, you're a runaway freight train when you start to download information and really let it become um, a daily occurrence. But you're not infallible. You're not... You're not going to not have no said to you. You're not going to um, impress everyone. This is where empathy comes in. 
you know, this could be somebody's first day back to work after, you know, we're, we're all dealing with the coronavirus right now across the world. It could be a family member who has the coronavirus that you're calling. It could be someone that it's their first day back after vacation and they're buried. And right now your call is not of the greatest importance. So please don't think by understanding information and being inspired by new information and maybe a podcast like this, it doesn't mean that you're going to pick up that phone and you're going to be a god. Because not everybody's buying what you're selling. But you're increasing the probability of yes by being 100% prepared, by starting your day with enthusiasm, ending your day with enthusiasm, and in the middle, never losing that enthusiasm again. People are smart enough to know the difference. So, these are the lessons I've been taught. Preparedness, how to, um, you know, auto kind of program my brain to think a certain way, to, you know, make it almost like concrete. I just let it set in. And as you can tell, even though those lessons are 20-something years old, they're as fresh to me today as they were when they were first told to me. Because they get the job done and they are building blocks to take you and catapult you to the next level of your sales development. And no matter what stage you're in, you could be a beginner, you could be in the middle, you could be a master. But the education never stops. That's something I believe in as well. Um, Even with my experience level, every day is a new chance to learn something new. It's a unique opportunity to give back and contribute and to be something more. You owe yourself that. Become something more every day. And this concludes our Sales 101. Um, Next time, not sure what we're going to talk about, but it'll be something interesting. Um, I'd like to maybe dive into the nose, um, objection handling, and how we how we overcome those with our humanity. Um, You know, sales by enthusiasm. So thank you all for tuning in to this first podcast of Sales 101. Please make sure to tune in next time. Sales Gladiator, we're exiting the arena. Until next time, have a great day. Be the best you possible. Hey, Sales Gladiators, uh, welcome into the Coliseum. As you know, we always talk about sales, inside sales, marketing, uh, how to get better quality sales leads, etc. Uh, better ways to look at things, and uh, most importantly, the best possible ways to motivate ourselves and to give back to others. Today, um, you know, I said I wouldn't do it. And I promised myself I wouldn't do it. So this is me kind of breaking a promise to myself. I wanted to share um, just what's going on inside of me right now. And I'm sure what's going on inside a lot of you about what is going on, uh, you know, in the world, current state of affairs, um, the riots, the vandalism, the, you know, outward malice of uh, protesters. In the wake uh, of the death of George Floyd, I have to say this, and I, I, 
I'm struggling to, I guess, to understand where the divide is. Um, first, I'd like to commend uh, that mayor in Minnesota who had said originally um, and who had called for the arrest of um, that officer who was kneeling on the neck of George Floyd that, you know, if anyone had done it, you or me had done it, we would be arrested immediately, you know, and, and you know, what was the, what was the holdup? Um, it's just a sickening thing. It's a sickening thing that anyone would kneel on someone's neck, especially when they can't breathe. Uh, you know, let's use common sense here. You, you kneel on someone's neck on the ground and there's what, three or four of, three or four of them? The man's in handcuffs on his chest. I don't understand how a knee on the neck is necessary or, or what facilitates that. What, what did a man who showed no force or, or any kind of resistance of arrest, what warrants that? And, you know, and I, I, I've been struggling with this, you know, since last week. It's just this inner burning question, you know, in any big moment, you know, 9-11 or the riots back in 1992 in L.A., there's always a, a burning question inside of you that you wonder why. And the big question mark I have over my head is, and this is for police officers, if you're not racist, if you're not bullies, you're not what African-American people, Hispanic people, even white people think you are. When you put on that badge and you go to work every day. How is it that I've seen video after video after video of, say, white people like myself who come from, you know, immigrant grandparents and who were, you know, also not given rights when they came to this country? White people swinging knives at cops. There's probably 10 of them on the scene guys waving a knife and they'll say things like, come on, Jim, you got everything to live for, you know, and you have everything to lose. And they give the guy 40 commands before he's tackled to the ground. I want to know why. Why, when it comes to a man of color, do you escalate? Why is there no attempt to de-escalate? Why do you have to use your temper and your lack of judgment? That's, I, I guess that's what I'm asking. Because one African-American man or woman swinging a knife at, at cops, probably the end of their life. George Floyd wasn't swinging a knife and his life ended. So I can only imagine what happens if someone's actually, you know, weaponized themselves. It's, it's foul. It's nasty. It's the, it's the utmost entitlement to think that the rules apply to one set of people, and they don't apply to the other set of people. That somehow, when someone's skin color changes to a darker color, the threat level goes up. I, I just, I don't understand that. I have seen videos of African-American men and women refuse to roll down their windows in their car. Just a crack because they don't feel safe. And the windows busted open after two commands to roll it down. I'm sure we've all heard the statement, Divided we stand, united we fall. How can we expect to function as a government and as a species if 
the same rules under the Constitution don't apply to everyone. It doesn't matter if you are a Muslim, if you are a Christian, if you are a black, if you are a white, if you are a polka dot, if you are a gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, it does not matter. We are all living in this country. We are all protected by those stars and stripes of that flag. And I believe it says in the Constitution that there are certain unalienable rights that are given to all people. And of these is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can certain genders, people of religious affiliations, and more important, skin color, how can those people have certain unalienable rights, including the pursuit of happiness, when they have to teach their kids every single day to not look the wrong way at a cop? Or else their life could be over. How do they have happiness if they have to wonder if their children are coming home every day? I'm just wondering what part of a badge entitles you to just up the antagonism level? Is it because someone doesn't want to do what you say? I mean, do you have a, do you have a, you know, little man syndrome or a big tough guy syndrome, or maybe you were a bully in high school and this is the way you take it out on people because life wasn't fair to you? I don't care. I really don't. I don't think that anything that happens to you in your life should allow you to put on a badge and do anything other than protect and serve. My dear friend Kevin Tarver, who is actually a chaplain for the McKinney Police Department here in DFW, lost his son in January because these police officers, the four or five of them that were there, were not properly trained in de-escalating someone who was going through a mental crisis. They tased and shot him for wielding a frying pan. Now, the last time I checked, a frying pan never killed anybody. I can understand the, the threat, sure. I can understand being scared if, the, if you put your you know, yourself in those officers' shoes, sure, absolutely. But five people? My, my wife was stopped one day, and she's a, she's a white woman. She was stopped one day. But there was six cars that had to be called to that scene just, just for a, a, a blinker. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me. So when you go through this world and you see what's happening, understand that if you were all honoring the oath that you took when you walked out of that academy and into a police department, the things we're seeing on TV wouldn't be the things we're seeing on TV. We'd be seeing unity. We'd be seeing love. We'd be seeing no single person afraid of you. You'd actually be heroes. You'd actually be the things that kids like us when we were little said we wanted to be. Like, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a police officer because I want to help people. I want to be a fireman because I want to help people. I want to be a doctor because I want to help people. You've stopped helping people. The death of George Floyd is something that people will remember 100 years from now. There are people looting stores. There are people burning down businesses. Robbing Target. 
because you don't do your job the way you should be doing your job. Let me give you an example. If I don't do my job, about a hundred different people would suffer, not even including my family. If I were to not do my job, I'd have to fire myself. I'd have to shut down my business because it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to attempt to authorize myself to get up and work, uh, to, to get up for, to go to work every day. How do you people look at yourselves in the mirror? I, I just don't get it. Kneeling on the neck of a man who says, I can't breathe. They're going to kill me. The word systematic comes to my mind that this is a systematic and, and very calculated message that they're trying to send to members of the African-American race. Now, if you guys want to get in your time machine and go back 60 years ago where this was tolerated and accepted, you know, by all means, please. But in the 21st century, in this America, that way of thinking is unacceptable. It will not be tolerated. I don't understand why officers of the law don't think that these people won't push back. And that's people of their own race and family uh, families won't be attacked or hurt in response. There's going to be a breaking point. And you have every option in the world to prevent it. This is a plea from a, a, a you know middle class uh, you know American you know white guy who runs a business has a family and who just sees this as injustice. The Christian part of me is disgusted. The human part of me is disgusted. But more importantly, the American part of me is disgusted. I don't condone what the looters are doing. I think it. I don't think stealing fifteen TVs from Target. Uh, is what George Floyd would want. I don't think burning down neighborhood, you know, stores and breaking windows is what George Floyd would want. To the protesters, I say, if you're against injustice, don't become injustice. Pray to God for his for his peace and you know and swift action so we can have justice in the in you know in in um, the wake of this with with George Floyd's death, but the. Stealing a flat screen doesn't bring them back. Breaking windows in an auto zone doesn't bring it back. The righteous are standing with you. And, we'll, and you know, the Bible tells us that the righteous always win. And there are enough righteous people standing beside you and next to you. So to police officers, please do your job. Do what's right. These people aren't being bullies. They're not being, they're not being jerks. They're afraid for their lives because every single time you come to their car door or something, you have a gun drawn for something as simple as a turn signal. You're kneeling on people's necks. You're shooting a, you're shooting a woman in her home with no cause because it was a welfare check. All you saw was an African-American woman in the house and you just said police and shot. Help elderly ladies cross the street. Stay in the school zones and make sure people aren't speeding, okay? When someone's doing drugs or they're breaking the law or they have a firearm, sure, go nuts. Be a police officer. You know, bring them to the letter of the law, sure. 
Absolutely, 1,000%. But when there's no threat, don't presume there is one and create something out of nothing because what you're doing is just piggish. It's awful. And I spit on you for it. And to the protesters, stop egging them on. There's no reason to stab a horse to death or throw a brick at an animal or to, to beat a shopkeeper in Dallas half to death. We're all outraged. We are all, repeat, all outraged. We can have a choice here. We can all cross the finish line together. Or we don't. This is a call. This is a call to humans. This is a call to Americans. This is a call to every person of every skin color, of every ethnicity, of every religion. If we don't move forward as a species, if we don't learn from our crimes of the past and our, of our history, we are 1,000% going to repeat it. This has to end now. We'll get back to you next time on our next episode of Sales Gladiator. For now, this is Peter signing off. I will talk to you all next time. Hey, Sales Gladiators. Uh, welcome into the Coliseum. As you know, we always talk about sales, inside sales, marketing, uh, how to get better quality sales leads, etc. Uh, better ways to look at things and uh, most importantly, the best possible ways to motivate ourselves and to give back to others. Today, um, you know, I said I wouldn't do it and I promised myself I wouldn't do it. So this is me kind of breaking a promise to myself. I wanted to share um, just what's going on inside of me right now, and I'm sure what's going on inside a lot of you about what is going on, uh, you know, in the world, current state of affairs, um, the riots, the vandalism, the you know, outward malice of uh, protesters in the wake uh, of the death of George Floyd. I have to say this, and I. I I'm struggling to, I guess, to understand where the divide is. Um, first, I'd like to commend uh, that mayor in Minnesota who had said originally um, and who had called for the arrest of um, that officer who was kneeling on the neck of George Floyd that, you know, if anyone had done it, you or me had done it, we would be arrested immediately, you know, and, and you know, what was the... What was the holdup? Um, it's just a sickening thing. It's a sickening thing that anyone would kneel on someone's neck, especially when they can't breathe. Uh, you know, let's use common sense here. You you kneel on someone's neck on the ground, and there's what three or four of three or four of them. The man's in handcuffs on his chest. I don't understand how a knee on the neck is necessary or what facilitates that what what did a man who showed no force or or any kind of resistance of arrest what warrants that 
And, you know, and I, I, I've been struggling with this, you know, since last week. It's just this inner burning question, you know, in any big moment, you know, 9-11 or the riots back in 1992 in L.A., there's always a, a burning question inside of you that you wonder why. And the big question mark I have over my head is, and this is for police officers, if you're not racist, if you're not bullies, you're not what African-American people, Hispanic people, even white people think you are when you put on that badge and you go to work every day. How is it that I've seen video after video after video of, say, white people like myself who come from, you know, immigrant grandparents and who were, you know, also not given rights when they came to this country? White people swinging knives at cops. There's probably 10 of them on the scene. Guys waving a knife and they'll say things like, come on, Jim, you got everything to live for, you know, and you have everything to lose. And they give the guy 40 commands before he's tackled to the ground. I want to know why. Why, when it comes to a man of color, do you escalate? Why is there no attempt to de-escalate? Why do you have to use your temper and your lack of judgment? That's, I, I guess that's what I'm asking. Because one African-American man or woman swinging a knife at, at cops, probably the end of their life. George Floyd wasn't swinging a knife and his life ended. So I can only imagine what happens if someone's actually, you know, weaponized themselves. It's, it's foul it's nasty it's the it's the utmost entitlement to think that the rules apply to one set of people and they don't apply to the other set of people that somehow when someone's skin color changes to a darker color the threat level goes up i, I just i don't understand that i have seen videos of african-american men and women refuse to roll down their windows in their car just a crack because they don't feel safe. And the window's busted open after two commands to roll it down. I'm sure we've all heard the statement, divided we stand, united we fall. How can we expect to function as a government and as a species if the same rules under the Constitution don't apply to everyone? It doesn't matter if you are a Muslim, if you are a Christian, if you are black, if you are white, if you are a polka dot, if you are gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, it does not matter. We are all living in this country. We are all protected by those stars and stripes of that flag. And I believe it says in the Constitution that there are certain unalienable rights that are given to all people. And of these is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can certain genders, people of religious affiliations, and more important, skin color, how can those people have certain unalienable rights, including the pursuit of happiness, when they have to teach their kids every single day to not look the wrong way at a cop? Or else their life could be over. How do they have happiness if they have to wonder if their children are coming home every day? 
I'm just wondering what part of a badge entitles you to just up the antagonism level. Is it because someone doesn't want to do what you say? Are you, I mean, do you have a do you have a you know little man syndrome or a big tough guy syndrome, or maybe you were a bully in high school and this is the way you take it out on people because life wasn't fair to you? I don't care. I really don't. I don't think that anything that happens to you in your life should allow you to put on a badge and do anything other than protect and serve. My dear friend Kevin Tarver, who is actually a chaplain for the McKinney Police Department here in DFW, lost his son in January because these police officers, the four or five of them that were there, were not properly trained in de-escalating someone who was going through a mental crisis. They tased and shot him for wielding a frying pan. Now, the last time I checked, a frying pan never killed anybody. I can understand the, the threat, sure. I can understand being scared if, the, if you put your sho- yourself in those officers' shoes, sure, absolutely. But five people? My, my wife was stopped one day, and she's a, she's a white woman. She was stopped one day but there was six cars that had to be called to that scene just just for a, a, a blinker. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me. So when you go through this world and you see what's happening, understand that if you were all honoring the oath that you took when you walked out of that academy and into a police department, the things we're seeing on TV wouldn't be the things we're seeing on TV. We'd be seeing unity. We'd be seeing love. We'd be seeing no single person afraid of you. You'd actually be heroes. You'd actually be the things that kids like us when we were little said we wanted to be. Like, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a police officer because I want to help people. I want to be a fireman because I want to help people. I want to be a doctor because I want to help people. You've stopped helping people. The death of George Floyd is something that people will remember a hundred years from now. There are people looting stores. There are people burning down businesses. Robbing Target. Because you don't do your job the way you should be doing your job. Let me give you an example. If I don't do my job, about a hundred different people would suffer, not even including my family. If I were to not do my job, I'd have to fire myself. I'd have to shut down my business because it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to attempt to authorize myself to get up and work, uh, to to get up to go to work every day. How do you people look at yourselves in the mirror? I I just don't get it. Kneeling on the neck of a man who says, I can't breathe. They're going to kill me. The word systematic comes to my mind that this is a systematic and, and very calculated message that they're trying to send to members of the African American race. Now, 
if you guys want to get in your time machine and go back 60 years ago where this was tolerated and accepted, you know, by all means, please. But in the 21st century, in this America, that way of thinking is unacceptable. It will not be tolerated. I don't understand why officers of the law don't think that these people won't push back. And that's people of their own race and family uh, families won't be attacked or hurt in response. There's going to be a breaking point. And you have every option in the world to prevent it. This is a plea from a, a, a you know middle class, uh, you know, American, you know, white guy who runs a business, has a family, and who just sees this as injustice. The Christian part of me is disgusted. The human part of me is disgusted. But more importantly, the American part of me is disgusted. I don't condone what the looters are doing. I think it, I don't think stealing 15 TVs from Target uh, is what George Floyd would want. I don't think burning down neighborhood, you know, stores and breaking windows is what George Floyd would want. To the protesters, I say, if you're against injustice, don't become injustice. Pray to God for his for his peace, and, you know, and swift action, so we can have justice in the in you know in, in um, the wake of this with with George Floyd's death. But the, stealing a flat screen doesn't bring him back. Breaking windows at an auto zone doesn't bring it back. The righteous are standing with you. And, we'll, and, you know, the Bible tells us that the righteous always win. And there are enough righteous people standing beside you and next to you. So the police officers, please do your job. Do what's right. These people aren't being bullies. They're not being, they're not being jerks. They're afraid for their lives because every single time you come to their car door or something, you have a gun drawn for something as simple as a turn signal. You're kneeling on people's necks. You're shooting, a, you're shooting a woman in her home with no cause because it was a welfare check. All you saw was an African-American woman in the house and you just said police and shot. Help elderly ladies cross the street. Stay in the school zones and make sure people aren't speeding. Okay? When someone's doing drugs or they're breaking the law or they have a firearm, sure, go nuts. Be a police officer. You know... Bring them to the letter of the law, sure. Absolutely, 1,000%. But when there's no threat, don't presume there is one and create something out of nothing because what you're doing is just piggish. It's awful. And I spit on you for it. And to the protesters, stop egging them on. There's no reason to stab a horse to death or throw a brick at an animal or to, to beat a shopkeeper in Dallas half to death. We're all outraged. We are all, repeat, all outraged. We can have a choice here. We can all cross the finish line together. Or we don't. This is a call. This is a call to humans. This is a call to Americans, this is a call to every person of every skin color, of every ethnicity, of every religion. If we don't move forward as a species, if we don't learn from our crimes of the past, 
and of our history, we are 1,000% going to repeat it. This has to end now. We'll get back to you next time on our next episode of Sales Gladiator. For now, this is Peter signing off. I will talk to you all next time.